Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. San Luis Obispo, California, hello. And as a surfer, he explored the beaches of Southern California, from La Jolla to Leo Carrillo, and up to Pismo. I'm captain of the Pismo Beach Disaster League. Whoa, is this the sand dance? I've, I tried to do this at Pismo Beach when I was growing up. Oh, really? Like we always like make him in the garage and stuff like that. And it would never work. Never worked. <laughs> never worked. I am from Pismo Beach, sir. I didn't even know that there was a college here. Well, I commute to San Luis Obispo twice a week. Mm. Here's his ear. Dewey just called from Pismo Beach. He says there's no way he could have grabbed your ass. California's been good to me. Hope it don't fall into the sea. Sometimes you got to trust yourself. It ain't like anywhere else. It ain't like anywhere else. Yeah! Welcome to a new edition of the Slow Cal Pod. Jerry Perez, myself, Cyrus Sotzes. My next guest, I need to preface this by telling a little story. So back, this was like five and a half years ago now. Back in, I think, 2014. Yeah, it was. It was about five and a half years. Yeah, I I, uh, I went on it. This was back. I was writing for the Huffington Post and I had a really great deal with them where I wasn't making much money, but I had complete creative control over my content. So I'd basically pitch a story and they say, sure, do it. I like maybe once ever they shot me down. It was, it was pretty awesome. So I pitched the idea of, to do a travel story and I ended up writing a series of these. They were called The Surfer and His Dog, Explore, dot, 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 and wherever we went. So this this travel story was a surfer and his dog explored Northern California. And I was living in uh, Encinitas at the time, a small coastal community just north of San Diego. And so I got my dog, Indy, and he's a half English bulldog, half boxer. And him and I, he's been to 33 states. I've been to 34. He's been with me to a lot of places, three different countries. And we went on this road trip all the way up to the top of California because I used to go to Humboldt State. And, and most people don't realize in terms of the geography of California, San Francisco is really like central California. It's in the middle of the state, even though everyone calls it Northern California. I wanted to introduce the readers to the real Northern California, which is Humboldt, the Lost Coast, Mendocino, and even further north there, like Crescent City. And so we're on this trip, and it was, it was an awesome deal because every time we do these travel stories, everything's paid for. And so it's just me and my dog going cruising and adventuring. And Highway 101 is the road you got to travel to explore the California coast. So I'm driving up Highway 101, and, and this is about an hour north of Arcata. It's a college town just north of Eureka. And all of a sudden, the freeway shut down because there's an elk crossing. A whole herd of elk were blocking the freeway, right? And, and, and apparently, this is a very normal thing there, and it was awesome. So, so we pulled over, and it was this huge meadow, all these giant old redwoods and sequoias, and there is like 30 elk just hanging out. And there's one bull. I never even knew that was a setup for elk back then. And sure enough, there's this cute girl just sitting on a tree stump there, just <laughs> checking these elk out. And me being the single man, I'm like, boing, you know, my eyes just go right there. I'm like, all right, who's that? So I started, I go up to her and I start talking and, and we totally hit it <laughs> off. Uh, I found you on Facebook later. So we stayed connected all these years. And that was still a crazy experience, just seeing all these elk in the middle of nowhere in this basically green enchanted forest. And now joining us is that same person. We stayed in touch all these years. You were living in slow at that time. I remember that's how we really connected. So I was like, whoa, you, you live in my old college stomping ground. 
Um, and then you've made a name for yourself in this community, and it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Alex Milaychev, I hope I pronounced that right. Yeah, or, uh, Alex, how you doing? I'm good. And you know, I might add that uh, you had your dog with you and like, I'm a sucker for dogs. <laughs> so when you were walking over to me, I was like, who's that adorable little chonker, like little bulldog? Yeah. Andy. So <laughs> I just want to call out to, to him, you know. He's an awesome yeah. dog. He's older now. He's he's slowed down, but he's, he's laying in his bed next to the fire right now. Aww. So how are you doing, Alex? <laughs> we're in the middle of a pandemic. Jerry's hungover. We'll talk about his adventures in just a moment. <laughs> Alex, how have you been, man? I mean, it's it's a weird time in this world right now. You're a little more adventurous than others, than me. Maybe I'm like just a recluse, but how have you been? How's the pandemic I'm, treating you? How's life treating you? I'm great. Um, I've been one of those lucky people that my job is really easy to do online. I work in tech, so I just work from home. I'm fairly safe in that regard and just picked up a ton of hobbies because, you know, all of my general hobbies have kind of like closed down, the ones where that were more socially oriented. So I've just been picking up a lot of new things. Like what? Um, well, guitar. I'm looking at my guitar right in front of me. So Ooh. for the past like four months, I've been learning to play guitar. I, I learned how to surf. Um, Have you? Well, uh, I splash around on my like right. homie <laughs> that I picked up for like a hundred bucks from Costco. Uh, I've picked I'm still, up. I'm like, still waiting for you to come out with me, by the way. I throw out a million invites to you. Yes. Well, I'm what days. they call a fair weather surfer. I am not ashamed to admit that. And in these winter months, um, I, I don't know, I have kind of an aversion to the freezing cold water. Yeah. It's freezing right now. <laughs> it, I, is it's, freezing. It, it is cra- like a switch went off where it went from being like summer conditions and then somewhere in early November it just went, no, nah, we're going to go straight to winter now. It is so cold. Like I, I duck dived the other day and my head was like, I had like an ice cream headache from that. Uh, my head was just hurting. No, I'm going to go tomorrow. We've had this huge swell and most of the waves here don't hold up. And so everyone here on a weekend when the swell's this big is going to Shell Beach. And I just am not in the mood to deal with crowds. So I'm going to go tomorrow. <laughs> It'll be a little smaller too. Um, Cyrus hates crowds. Yeah, especially <laughs> now. Yeah, I don't mind it yeah. that much. Generally. No, I get that. I'm not a big fan of crowds either. I need room. <laughs> yeah, Jerry's not afraid of crowds. He apparently went out last night recording, recording this on <clears throat> December 6th. It's Sunday at around noon. Jerry, apparently slow. Everything's shut down again. We're in round two of shelter in place here in California. We're thinking we're just have massive shutdowns everywhere. Um, I support it, even though I don't know if the science backs it up, just because apparently when all everyone's doing now, when you shut down businesses, is they just socialize with each other in homes. It makes right. no difference, apparently. So I, I don't I don't know. But you well, went out. Uh, well, I think it does make a difference because then you, you determine how many people you want to have over. You know, a friend mm-hmm. of mine will have like, you know, a little yard get together. It'll be about maybe 10 of us. But yeah, as of 10 p.m. last night, everything pretty much shut down. Um, so I went and caught up with one of a couple of my best friends just to catch up and where essentially essentially do a what's it a new ring in the new year or ring in the or, or in the old year, I guess, if you want to call it that uh, we went to. Um, let's see, where did we start? McCarthy's. Mm. Um, my stomping cr- ground. Yeah, yeah. Creaky, creaky tiki. Oh. <laughs> frog. And they were all fit. open. Everyone was open. I don't know if Bulls was open because here's the here's a the big caveat last night was everywhere we went to, we had to order like a food item. Like yeah. McCarthy's a few months ago was trying to found a little loophole where they were selling like a bag of chips. A lot of places did. 
Right. You know, so they can get the technicality <laughs> like, hey, it's food. We're serving, you know, you know, those little kitty bags of chips. Yes. And the guy at McCarthy's um, was like, hey, guys, you guys, you guys got to order food like a burrito, blah, blah, blah. I go, you're not selling chips. He goes, no, we, we can't use that anymore. So we had to order food. So everywhere we went, we ordered, you know, had to get food. You know, McCarthy's, right. we got a burrito. We went to uh, Buffalo. Was it Buffalo? Yeah, we went to Buffalo after McCarthy's and we had, you know, got some chicken tenders there. You know, obviously along with drinks and then at Creaky ordered some nachos. So it was like drinking and eating at the same time. But yeah, <laughs> it didn't help. Let's just say you that. You have to wear your mask, right? Like they're they're requiring masks and they're doing like- Well, yeah, well that's, that's what's so stupid is that, yeah, you do have to wear a mask, but the moment you get your food item or your drink item, the mask comes off. So it's really only to get you in the door essentially or whatever. It's basically your ID to get into the door. But once you're in- you know, the mask is coming off. It has to. You can't eat them. Yeah, I mean, I mean exactly. So it's kind of like, mm, I don't know. I mean, mm. What's the point, right? Yeah, this whole thing's crazy. This whole world is crazy. I, I, I'm so stoked we have a finish line. The vaccine is approved. You going to take it? Just, of course. Yes. I mean, are you kidding me? I, I, I've been waiting for vaccines since the thing started, man. It's going to be like <laughs> a year of like the most insane patience and discipline I've ever exercised in my life. <laughs> just so I can go out and, and, and run in the streets naked, Frank the Tank style. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm going to sell holding my you celebra- that. We're going streaking. I'm totally yes. going streaking. I'm, dude, I'm gonna, I, I think the world is going to go a little insane, like, in about two months. Because I'm going to commit to a full week of inebriation, just straight. And <laughs> maybe even two weeks, just a good old catch-up, you know? But it's going to, but it's, it's, a, it's a process because, A, there aren't enough vaccines. I think by the time it gets to someone like me, um, it'll be like February, probably March. I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to stay strong. Did you take a flu and... shot? Yes. Okay. Did you? Yes. Yeah. I want to, how about you, Alex? Are you, are you going to take the, va- are you two going to take the vaccine? Are you flu I'll shot? Let Alex, I'll let yeah, Alex. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't have flu shot. I also, my, my sister-in-law is pregnant. So I kind of have to take certain shots. I have to take the flu shot. I have to take whooping cough. Um, Whoa. but yeah, that apparently when you're around like kids, you have to take that. But yeah, I'm going to take the vaccine. I feel like whooping cough and COVID are almost the same thing, right? I mean, they're, they're both just nasty viruses that make you cough a lot <laughs> for weeks on end. I have no idea. Yeah, whooping cough is but... gnarly. I got that thing years ago, and I remember it was like a month. I just had a cough. It was just the most annoying thing ever. But That's why I was at the beginning of the year for literally almost two months. I had this cough that just wouldn't mm-hmm. go away. and So you had COVID uh, probably. <laughs> well, that's that's a legitimate question. I mean, I tell people that I would think I might have had it at the beginning of the year. They're like, no, it wasn't in the county yet. But, you know, you know, if you know me, I go to L.A. a lot for a lot of Laker games. And, you know, L.A. is an international city. So, you know, I could have caught it there. I could have been patient zero of the county. Who knows? But uh, I did have a nasty cough for two months, <laughs> um, which is weird, which is weird because uh, I wasn't coughing up anything. It's not like there was phlegm. It was just like a dry cough for two months. And finally had to take a couple rounds of prednisone and uh, a steroid inhaler. And then finally Jeez. after like two weeks, so Jeez. right around oh, wow. late February, it finally went away. So I had it for a good, and my sister had it too. Pneumonia. Also. But you see when pneumonia has, you know, at least you have fluid in the lungs, at least something's there, but this one was just a dry huh. cough that was annoying for two months. And uh, yeah. yeah, it sounds fun. Yeah, exactly. And, so and, fun. And that's, and that's what you're putting yourself at risk for every time you go out. That's why, that's why I don't want a two month cough. I just, that's what I don't want. That's what I'm trying well, I gotta, to do. I got an inhaler on, I got an inhaler on standby ready to go. So gotcha. I'm ready. I'm ready. Good for you. 
Um, so we're all vaccinated for the flu. That's nice. Alex is vaccinated for everything on the planet except for COVID. <laughs> we'll get all that soon. I'm yeah. leery about the vaccine. That's why I asked you if you're going to take why, it. What do, you, what do you leery about? Well, I think just like anything, even with products, you know, the first generation is always kind of sketch, right? You know, yeah. I, we, we, we really don't know, first. you know, how many people have actually tested it, you know, like, so we don't really know how effective it's going to be or what the reaction, you know, it's like when you get a flu shot, there's a risk of you getting sick, right? For a couple of days. So, you know, maybe- Well, that's if you sick, take- sick, but it wears you down. Yeah, because it's, mo- and right. it's mostly because- the antibodies you're, you're, that the vaccine produces make, causes a reaction in your immune system. That's really what makes you feel so crappy right. is your immune system. That's, that's what we're starting to come to the realization of all these long-term COVID cases. It's not that the COVID is staying in your system for like months on end. It's that your body reacts so violently to try to eradicate it that that reaction from your immune system destroys you in the process. Um, anyways. Enough COVID talk, Alex. You're you're here. <laughs> Delightful. I love talking about. It's COVID. such a great, yeah, it's such a fun topic. So I mean, fun. let's just, yeah, let's just carry it into 2021. Um, Alex, the reason, one of the main reasons you're on here. This isn't the first time you've done a media appearance. It's not like this is the first podcast you're getting on. It's not like I've discovered you. You've been on programs before. Uh, I, I remember hearing you on our, our local NPR affiliate, KCBX. I believe those are their call mm-hmm. letters. Um, and the, and the topic of discussion is, is the kink scene here in slow. Mm-hmm. Um, when I met you in humble five and a half years ago, I don't think you were involved in the kink scene here at that point. No, I, remember, I was not. Yeah. I remember you suddenly on Facebook posting unusual things, unusual to me anyways, at least they were different from what you were normally posting. And then you started posting pictures of you in rather risque outfits and you started dancing and. And I was, my interest was peaked. All right. Like I am, not, I'm the furthest thing from a Puritan when it comes to sex. <laughs> so I was looking at this going, Ooh, okay. This is interesting. First of all, I guess my first question to you is, can you define to me and the listeners, what is kink? <laughs> wow. I didn't realize this was going to be a quiz. Um, let me just. It's not a quiz. This is a, yeah, it's an exploration. <laughs> I, I, um, I mean, I'm curious. I, I mean, I hear that term and to me, it means a million things. So I'm curious to know what it means to you. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you to you, it means a million things because to so many people, it means so many different things. Um, I feel like really commonly kink is used as a word to describe like, this is something that gets a rise out of me. And generally people use it in the sexual context. Um, Since then, I've learned that kink isn't always uh, tied in with sex or sexuality. Uh, sometimes it's really just talking about like an endorphin high that your body gets and, you know, various activities that people like to take part in, which like create what? that endorphin like high. What? Like what? Well, I mean, there's, there's the spectrum, like there's the really like uh, beginner things like spanking, right? That's or like sexual? role-playing. But that's not sexual? Doesn't have to be. I don't, I can't see how that could be unless it's a disciplinary action. I can't see spanking being anything but sexual. So Are I you- feel like in, in a lot of cases, when you start to get into these kink scenes, um, mm-hmm. you get into like the exchange of control or you get into anything that, like I said, peaks your endorphins. Okay. For example, um, I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't normally think that like, I'm excited to go to Disneyland. People aren't going to be like, oh, Disney is a kink, right? (laughs) But it kind of does the same Happiest place on earth. It is the happiest (laughs) place on earth. 
<laughs> but it does a very similar thing to your body that some of these, you know, what, what people call kink scenes, people create scenes, does the same thing to your body. Like it creates a rush of endorphins, makes you really excited, sometimes perhaps not think straight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> where was I going with this? Endorphins, kink, kink on the non-sexual level, spanking. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, I mean, spanking. Sometimes, like I, I often see people creating scenes where the context of the scene is enough to excite them that they don't have sex. So hmm. it's not always sexual, I guess is what I mean to say. It doesn't always lead to sex. Often you see the two go together. Like you yeah. see the poly communities and like the swingers are kind of overlapping a lot with the kinksters. So I think a lot of times you see those go together. But for example, um, there used to be a local club called Sin, which was a really lovely community. And you wouldn't see sex happening at that kink club. It was pretty strict. You know, you would go and you would see kink scenes. Hmm, okay. I'm, I'm way confused. I'm... Well, give, can you give me, Alex, can you give me an example okay. of, what, of a kink yeah. scene? Let me, let me just tell you my experience with the community. So, so as you mentioned, I started in burlesque. Mm -hmm. Burlesque piqued my interest because it was a very like sexually free community and it was a place where women supported other women being beautiful, which was very new to me. You know, a lot of women grow up in this sort of culture where if you're beautiful, it takes away from my beauty and I am now threatened by you because you're going after the same men that I'm going after. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, it's very competitive. And in addition, there's kind of a culture around like when a woman dresses a certain way, it says something about who she is and what she wants to do. So the burlesque scene for me was kind of challenging all of those stories. It was a community where I was supported for being beautiful, where women celebrated other women being beautiful and where men were very respectful of women hmm. being beautiful and taking their clothes off on stage. It, they wouldn't assume that it meant that they could touch them or say certain things to them, right? It was a very respectful place. Okay. So I loved it. it. It was kind of this like safe place for me to finally explore sexuality because for the longest time, I felt like I had to hide it. That Ooh. sucks. It, right, it does. It does kind of suck. Yeah. So like, You never want to be in a constricting environment. Now, that sounds like what you were, you were in. And Not so cool. many women are in, it, yeah. it kind of in our culture. Um, so that was where I got started, right? Like that was where I dipped my toe was the burlesque scene. And I think one of the things I've really noticed as far as burlesque communities that I enjoy versus ones that I don't enjoy is the ones that I enjoy will have a very strict framework at the beginning around rules. <laughs> These are the rules. This is how you practice consent. And if you break our rules, you will swiftly be asked to leave. And yeah, so- let me stop you there for a second, because a few years back, the Me Too movement really took off, right? And it raised a lot of questions about consent and rules, right? It started, I feel like if anything came out of Me Too, it was establishing very firm boundaries, mostly for men, right? I mean, for women sometimes too, but mostly for men and the way they behave, right? In terms of consent and just being respectful yeah. and respecting boundaries. Um, so what are some of the rules that, that you expect or you, you implement in these king scenes or at least in burlesque? Okay. Yeah, so there's a few things that I've learned in the scene that like I love to tell my friends about. The first is um, we do a little demo of consent. So we'll have someone say, hey, uh, may I spank you? All right, 
So if the person says no, obviously your response should be something like, okay, I respect that. You know, I'm not mad at you. I'm not going to hold it against you for telling me no. This is your personal boundary. It's cool. Uh, versus, hey, can I spank you? And they're like, yes, you can, right? Like emphatic. Obviously that is a yes. Now the thing that people get kind of confused on is like that in between where, yeah, hey, can I spank you? Um, hmm. Sure. That doesn't mean yes. That doesn't mean yes. I'm sure. Kidding, obviously, yeah. Okay. You can't so, be vague. <laughs> the hesitation, the hesitation. Yeah. And it's not that the hesitation means necessarily means no, but in our community, what we teach is any hesitation is ground for more conversation. Mm, right? okay. If it's not an emphatic yes, it's a no. So either they're very excited about it or ask more questions. So like, mm. hey, I noticed that you hesitated. Like, I'm, and I'm not pressuring you to let me spank you. Like, if it's not something you're emphatically excited about, absolutely no worries. Maybe they'll be like, you know what? I just like, my butt was kind of sore, but now that I think about it, like, yes, okay, no, you could totally spank me. But if they're like, yeah, I don't, I just, I'm not sure how I'm feeling. Like, it's okay, right? Like, I don't need to spank you. Like, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. So that's don't kind of it. the first rule of consent that we teach people in the community. It's kind of sad that you have to teach that. That seems like common sense to me, but unfortunately you're right. A lot of people need to be taught this. I feel like Louis C.K. would still have a profound comedy career if you followed those simple rules, right? <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't break the law, but he clearly did not get the emphatic yes. Yeah, either. it's and not a hell yes, it's a no. Um, another follow up see, to that. Oh yeah. Just say real quick, I could see where the lines would be blurred of like not knowing what the rules are. Yeah, there's common sense in the real world. Yeah. But in this king scene, I think is you know, you know, learning these rules is kind of kind of bizarre to me. You know, asking permission, I guess, in a in a room. Can can you can you describe the room? Like, what is there? Like five, ten people? Like, what's the scenario in this? So when you're talking about a burlesque performance, you have the crowd, you have the MC, and the MC is kind of doing these little um, exercises where they're teaching the consent rules. When you're talking about like a kink club. Uh, the one that I went to actually had a requirement that if it's your first time going to the club, you have to go first to a 101 class. In the 101 class, you receive a little pamphlet that you read and that you go through in order to learn everything about kinking, I guess being a kinkster, so that you can be safe and that you can treat people with respect. And in that context, um, it really is just kind of teaching people, it's okay to hear no from a person because what a lot of women get here let me let me tell you a little story about me in fifth grade you know fifth grade relationships this boy asked me to be his girlfriend so it meant that we walked around we held hands right right and then maybe like a week later i was like i don't want a boyfriend anymore so i told him that we were breaking up right our little mm -hmm. fifth grade relationship was over and he got so upset with my rejection <laughs> that he threw a chair in fifth grade and then i Got you? pulled into the office and I was in trouble for what rejecting this boy. That's not good. But this is the culture that we're in, you know? And I, I so we're not still in that culture. They're granted that was 20 years. Very much in that. Wait, culture. how was, how was it presented cool. when you went into the office? Like, what do they say? You know, but I was bizarre. emotionally manipulating him and toying oh. with his emotions, right? Oh. Like, uh, oh. that I need to know how to let them down easier. This was in Ohio? In Ohio. Yeah, that's a little more conservative there than here. I, I, I don't I hope that is not the similar speech. But, and I guess that that's kind of an extreme example 
but it's an example of the fact that we're really not taught that like, you know what, when you're turned down, yeah, maybe you might be a little sad, but getting angry at the person who turns you down is a poor practice. And because of that, women often feel pressured to say yes, which is where you get those hesitant shores. Interesting. So you're saying women are conditioned to, it's hard for women to reject men because of the reactions they experienced earlier in life. Correct. And how society oftentimes will support the men for their hurt feelings instead of the woman's right to choose who and when they want to be with, right? Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. It's really not that people don't know this. Like I'm telling you guys this, you know, you absolutely know, but there really is something nice about just practicing, like turn to your neighbor, ask them, can I make out with you? They're going to say no to you. And you're just going to feel how it feels to be rejected by someone. And you're just going to be like, okay, you know, thank you for saying no. Yeah. So that's kind of, um, to answer your question, Jerry, like in the kink scene, that's how we practice consent. And it's really just about getting used to what it feels like to have someone say no to you. And it's kind of helping retrain women that it's okay to say no. Although I'm saying women and that's very one-sided, right? Cause it, you know, maybe a woman asks a man to scene and maybe there's the same pressure for a man to say yes. Maybe it's scary for a man to say no. So it's just training people how to kindly say no, not feel pressured to say yes. I like that. I think you need that in, in, a, in, a, in a sexual setting. I think that is necessary. I, I, cause you're, cause you're right. It's sad that there are a lot. And I think this is, I know we're generalizing here or generally speaking, but for the most part, for the sake of conversation, let's just pursue that. I think most men are not taught how to respect women. They're just not, I, I, I do feel like they're, I don't know if it's poor parenting, Alex, you might be onto something where maybe even in, in the academic setting at a young age, maybe those kinds of things need to be taught because that is the, di- the, the, an important dichotomy between men and women that is not discussed much, especially when, when the topic of feminism comes up, is that men and women are very different in the sense that men are mostly the pursuers uh, on a dating aspect, on a sexual aspect. Uh, and again, generally speaking, right? There's obviously exceptions, but we're not really conditioned to at least men are not generally conditioned in life to be taught to handle rejections, right? Because they're not cool. Being rejected right. is not fun. Like even if we're taught at a young age, it's going to happen. You just have to deal with it and accept it. Doesn't mean you're going to be okay with it. Doesn't mean you're going to be happy with it. Doesn't mean it yeah, gets hard. You get older. It's hard. Yeah. And so men, men are the ones mostly experiencing those rejections by a large number versus women. I, I just, I do think that should be recognized in the grand scheme of gender roles and society and what we're dealing with but for the sake of the kink scene yeah i think that's smart that these rules are implemented so i i I get it i get it so so that's i want to make i want to get through all the three main rules i like to tell people so that's the first one right consent the second is uh and this was introduced at the club that i went to and i love this rule it's don't ask twice so if i Mm. again i'm gonna use the spanking thing can i spank you and the person's like "Mm, no no i don't want you to spank me uh Consider that their blanket answer and consider your invitation for spanking a blanket invitation and assume that if they ever change their mind, they will initiate the communication for that. Mm, Because what sometimes will happen is they'll be like, well, I asked them yesterday, but today's a new day. Do you, you know, can I spank you? And then it actually starts to come off as pressure. Exactly. It's just, you have a no pressure rule. I love that. 
That's smart. And so that's another thing we just kind of get out in the open. Like, hey, you know what? Don't ask people twice. Assume that after the first time you ask them, they know this is something you're interested in doing with them. And if they change their mind, they'll let you know. No, this is smart because these rules are basically eliminating psychological games being implemented. Mm-hmm. And, and any, any, it eliminates possibilities of uncomfortable situations, right? No, I love this. I, I think that's great. Yeah, it is weird that you have to be in a club. You have to be in a club to learn rules, you know, as opposed to just being in normal I life. Know. It's so funny because I was really nervous going into this scene. I was like, oh my God, it's going to be like a sex club. It's going to be all these sexual deviants. And <laughs> it ended up being the most respectful community I think I've ever been part of because they have, they have to establish these rules in order to make people feel, people feel safe to like participate. Right. And so you said the there were three rules. Yeah, go ahead. Third go ahead. rule is you cannot consent once you are, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not inebriated, but like uh, once you're any form of high. Hmm. So A, they didn't sell alcohol at the club. It was a sober club. Um, B, they make sure to let you know that like once you start some kind of like scene kink scene with a person maybe you're getting tied up maybe you're getting spanked maybe who knows who, who knows what they're doing but assume that when you engage in that you are going to experience an endorphin high and once you are high you cannot consent hmm. so one of the things that they teach you is establish your scene ahead of time and talk about everything that you're okay with ahead of time once you're in the middle of the scene, you really cannot renegotiate. Because you might- the spontaneity out though, doesn't it? I mean, it, it- Well, so then you get into like, you can still have spontaneity. For example, you can say, I'm okay with these five things, but I don't know in what order, hmm. okay. right? And in addition, when you have an established partner, then it's a little safer to perhaps renegotiate in the middle right? Because you know each other, you have a feeling of safety, but anytime you're with a new partner, you know, spontaneity is where sometimes triggering trauma happens, right? Because you'll be like, oh, I'm just going to slap this person. You know, I'm going to be spontaneous. And then, you know, lo and behold, you discover that maybe this person had an abusive father that slapped them and this triggers them, right? So, you really don't want that kind of spontaneity when you're doing things that are so vulnerable with a person. You, you want to establish ahead of time everything that they're okay with. And actually, I, I use this on dating as well. <laughs> because this happens with people when they go on dates. Always, it's the first date. It's like, let's go have a drink. And then after you've had three drinks, you make a decision on whether you want to sleep with this person. And maybe the next day, you regret that decision. So one of my rules with dating, and it makes some guys uncomfortable, is I'll say up front what I'm okay with. Like, hey, you know what? I'm okay with making out with you tonight, but I don't want to have sex. And they'll be like, okay, it's kind of strange that you said that. Maybe a little it's direct, awkward. yeah. It's direct, yeah. But like, you know, it's like, we don't have to make out right now, but like maybe after a few drinks we can make out. I, it's unusual, Alex. I personally love it because the man knows immediately where they stand. You're, you're eliminating wasting so much time and effort and the emotional expense but i can understand some men being surprised at it because that's not normal it's i've, not normal. I've yeah I've, and i've never had a woman just basically tell me the rules up front so um but i i respect it personally i think that's great wait so, so you j- said if you're in a really uh, just sorry to cut you off but if you're in a relationship do you still 
join these meetings? Is, is, are you in an open relationship? Like, how does this work? So me personally, like, I, I guess you could say open. Yes, I'm in an open-ish relationship, poly-ish. Um, most of the people that I run into at the club are in open relationships. But again, it's not like a binary sort of thing. Like we're either closed or we're open. It's an entire spectrum. Like even think about relationships that would technically be considered monogamous. Some monogamous relationships, they don't even like for their partner to have a friend of the opposite sex, right? Like- That's restrictive, yes. Yeah, highly restrictive. But you know what? In some relationships, maybe that works. Maybe that works for them. Whereas think of other monogamous couples where- the rule is cut off at like um, intimate touching. I think that's probably like the, the most generic set of rules in a monogamous relationship is like some kind of intimate touching. Like most monogamous relationships, as long as you're not making out with the person or groping them, I don't mind if you hug your guy friends, right? Yeah, like I don't right. mind if you touch them in loving ways that are not sexual or intimate. So I would say that's like the generic cutoff. Yeah. But when you start to venture into these open relationship styles, man, it's just like a fuck ton of conversations that you have to have because you have to talk about (laughs) everything. You can't make assumptions like, you know, is it okay if I flirt with this person? Is it okay if I do this with that person? Yeah. It, you know, can I do these things? You just have to have conversations about everything. Right. Yeah. I can see communication being vitally important. So let's say Jerry decides he wants to get involved in the kink scene. Yes. Where do I sign up? Yeah. How do you do like, how do you like, so you discovered it because you were a dancer and through your dance environment, through your connections and your peers, that led you to burlesque and burlesque led you to the kink scene. But let's say someone like Jerry or I, who are not dancers, um, (laughs) we we want to get into it. Speak for yourself, bud. Fair enough. Uh, how do we get it? How, like, how do we get into it? Like, how do we, is there a website or there? You know, there's, I, I wish I could just say off the top of my head. There are definitely, there's Facebook groups, there's websites. I would say start with looking up either on Facebook or online, Central Coast Kink. Okay. So start there. There's a wonderful community. Some of my very good friends run the community still during COVID. They do like Zoom calls. Um, So I would say start there. Also the local, um, you know, Gala, the Gay Gay and Lesbian Alliance. Yes, yes. So Gala does a variety of amazing workshops. And one of their workshops is like intro to poly. And they used to run one that was like kink 101. Hmm. So they're another community that has a lot of overlap and are just like a very safe place to go to start talking about that. Uh, So I I would say start there, you know, like start finding some groups online. Um, As far as figuring out what feels good and what feels safe to you, I would generally go towards groups that do have some kind of requirement before joining the group. Like we require that you take a one-on-one class in order to learn our rules, go to that class, learn the rules and see if you a sort of click with the leader of that group and B feel safe within that set of rules. Okay. They're all going to be different. Does, is, is hedonism and kink synonymous? hedonism so that's like the pursuit of pleasure i would say there's again probably like a lot of overlap in that the kink community is definitely probably a lot of hedonists who don't feel that the pursuit of pleasure in and of itself is a bad thing um but i'm sure it's kind of like a venn diagram where it's like 
there's a lot of overlap and also some exclusion. Right. What about like married couples who like to swing? Is that is that a kink uh, thing? Also Venn diagram. Okay. You know, the swingers <laughs> are very much a lot of the swingers are kinksters, but some swingers are not kinksters and some right. kinksters are not swingers. Interesting. So, and again, swinging is in and of itself a very specific set of rules. Like you often see swinger events where the rules are, you know, me and my partner go, it's just for this one night. It's not the sort of thing that we do on a lot of nights. Right. Um, they find a lot of swingers, they want to be involved in their partner's other sexual encounter, right? And it's like, you know, you're going to have a sexual encounter with someone else and I'm going to have a sexual encounter with someone else. So it, I've generally found that the swingers kind of revolve around that like shared sexual encounter with your partner. Gotcha. Which I think is different than kink and different than poly. Yeah, I mean, the differences are subtle, but I, I see what you're saying. What about, um, I picture, I don't know, for some reason I picture any of these environments having a drastic one-sided ratio when it comes to gender. Is that, is, that, is that the reality of it? Is it way more guys than girls who participate in these, in these kink events? You know, I, so I want to preface, I am not an expert in this domain by any means. I'm just a friend of yours who happens to be in, in involved in this scene. And so well, what I'm would you, what would you call an expert though? Cause you, you organize these events. I mean, you're, um, you, so you lead your troop. I mean, I, would, I, do organize, an I yeah. organize burlesque events. Right. And so I feel like a little bit of more of a domain expert in burlesque, but with regards to kink, I would not consider myself a domain expert. Um, I do have some friends that are, and I have um, like, for example, there was a local event, which was the uh, kink ball, the central coast community kink ball. Mm -hmm. And it was essentially a set of workshops that were led by professionals that came in from LA and San Francisco and taught different kinks. I would say that those people are experts. And when I attended that event, I didn't notice a particular, like, I wouldn't say it was mostly men and less women. I'd say it was about 50-50. Interesting. I'm guessing the rules help with that. If those rules weren't in place to make it a safe, comfortable environment, it would just be mostly dudes, like a strip club or something. But And is... most of the people who disrespect you are yeah. very immediately blacklisted from the community. Ah. Yeah. Is it like, is it like an, uh, so how, how would you compare your kink event? And again, these happen. I mean, you invited me or you, you at least send me a link one time to this event where you had to buy tickets and there was like, all, yeah. it was like so is it most like a, for most people, people who go to these things is it is it a voyeuristic experience like is it like eyes wide shut where you're just watching other people having fun does everyone participate like how does that work um i would say that for most people the first time they go they're probably just going to watch and they're just going to talk and let me just say probably 95% of this event is people just talking okay. and then probably 5% is like demonstrations or like people kind of doing scenes together. They'll have like an open kink night where a lot of people get to like do their own thing with their partners. But throughout the workshop portion of the day, it was workshops and demonstrations. And a lot of it was just talking and education. So yeah, your first time that you go, you're probably just going to watch. You're probably going to talk. You're probably going to ask questions. And then you're probably going to start to establish like, what am I into? What am I not into? Like, okay, maybe I'm not into needles and blood. Maybe I am. Wait, what? Wait, hold on, wait. wait. Some, some, people, some people are into needles and blood. 
Oh yeah. Have you seen like suspension? Like where people get hooks put in them and they get suspended and can't, can't say I have. No. (laughs) Where would I see, where would I see that? Movies. Oh, well, what movies is that featured in? Uh, Jerry, do you know what I'm talking about? Jerry, your mic is turned off or down or something. Barely hear you. Barely. No, barely. Alex, can you, you can't hear him either, right? Yeah, I don't know what no, happened. No, I know I can't hear him. We'll that let him get straight. it figured out. But yeah, su- suspension is, is uh, again, one of those things like, and, and needle play. It's What again, is needle play? People who like to stick needles in themselves or so pierce, pe- pierce their skin in some way. So this is where sadomasochism comes in. So you're, yes. so this is, so is a lot of the kink scene just people who derive pleasure from pain? I wouldn't say a lot of it is, but that is an aspect of it. That's one of the kinks is kind of that overlap between pleasure and pain. Um, some people like the, the actual pain aspect. Other people simply like the intimidation factor. For example, knife play. With regards wow. to knife play, some people do like getting like small nicks and cuts. That's the pain factor. Other people don't actually like getting cut. They just like someone holding a knife to their throat. So that, they feel, so that they feel like they're being, you know, dominated. Yes. And, and again, it kind of goes back to this feeling of like, you are in such a vulnerable space. You really have to create a feeling of safety and right. a solid communication with the person that you do this with. You can't just walk up to someone and be like, are you into knife play? I'm going to hold this knife to your throat, right? It, it takes a lot of communication and exploration. But that's, you know, you might see something you like. So what about the, so of all, everything you've told me, the only thing that turns me off a little bit and makes me unsure if I want to explore this world. And I, and believe me, you've got my curiosity peaked, um, is the, is the no inebriation part of it. So like, what if like, so for example, in my case, I don't like, to me, sex is so much better when you're high in weed. Like, I think marijuana is a total stimulant. not the right word. Aphrodisiac, maybe, I don't know, but it definitely enhances the experience. Are you telling me that if I take a weed edible before I go to one of these events, they're, they're going to kick me out? I'm not allowed? Um, I mean, they're going to kick you out if you misbehave, Cyrus. So don't misbehave, okay. right? Okay, but, all right. But I would say just t- take it upon yourself to understand your, like, your level of cohesion and your ability to consent when okay. you've eaten an edible. If you're the kind of person that really likes to eat edibles and it in no way, like, impairs your ability to consent then you know it's it's your judgment call okay um, I, get you I would say if it's your first time in the scene i would recommend that you have a sober conversation to lay out the rules first and then if part of that conversation involves hey i would feel a lot more comfortable if i could have a glass of wine or smoke some weed before right. our scene right that's just something you want to tell your partner like i'm going to do this thing first so that i can get into a more comfortable space just have the conversation first about what you're okay with. So this, it sounds like this rule is put in place to eliminate drunk assholes from, from the scene, basically. Um, right? I mean, it you know, helps it's with really that, easy it? to eliminate drunk assholes. So I would uh-huh. say this rule isn't so much for the drunk assholes. It's okay. for the, um, it's to prevent trauma. Okay. All right. Because when people are inebriated in any way, they sometimes consent to things that they wouldn't normally consent to. And I think one of the risks with the kink community is it's really easy to traumatize people, right? Like if someone used to get hit 
by their parent as a kid, they're probably not going to like the sort of kink that involves hitting. Right. Or maybe, you know, they're trying to work through their trauma and it has to be very like one step at a time, like a light tap. First, it's going to be a light tap. Then it's going to be a slightly harder tap. And when you've had something to drink, I I don't know, I, I can't speak to the science behind it, but I know from personal experience that Sometimes I'll wake up the next morning and be like, wow, I consented to a lot more than I probably would have consented to had I been sober. So I think that's kind of what that rule is for is just to like not prevent people from regretting their decisions and making decisions that are going to turn them off from the kink scene forever. Like the worst thing is having someone come in, having their boundary crossed immediately. And then they're like, I'm terrified of this community. I'm never going to come back. Right. That's crazy. Jerry, is your mic fixed? Barely, though. Oh, yeah, a little better. A little better. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with my mic. Oh, you're suddenly like back. You can you're, hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. Whatever you just oh, yeah. did. No, I disconnected my mic. I don't know what's going on. Oh, now you're back. Uh, it gets getting better by the second. I don't know what you're doing there, but it's it's back to normal. Nothing. Uh, I was uh, when you asked uh, Alex, you asked me if I'd seen. The, the piercings and stuff like that. I was going to say the only only places that I've seen stuff like that is like on Ripley's Believe It or Not where people like, you know, mm. pierce like a thousand earrings or things hooked to their backs and stuff like that. But no, I wasn't, I have not seen it in person nor would I want to partake. <laughs> not for everyone. That, no, not for everyone, for sure. Yeah, the pain thing that I don't, yeah, I, I, I can understand. I mean, obviously movies have been made of this for, you know, this has been, this is not new territory, but yeah, I'm, I've never understood the, in the same way that I don't understand a foot fetish. Like, I don't know how you can be turned off from someone's feet. Some people, it just, that's just their thing, you know? I, you know, and I do not understand. Funny that you say that because um, I actually performed at this kink event. I did a burlesque piece about foot fetishes. Crazy. <laughs> that's weird to me, yeah. I'm not judging. I'm not judging anyone for any Are you? Are you? <laughs> no, not- had, no, 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 absolutely. <laughs> the only ones I'm judging are the, are the people who, who, who get who need inebriation. I, or I'm sorry, the people who ruin it for everyone else by getting drunk or something like that and goes yeah, to these and things. Crossing and boundaries. Yeah, and, and exactly. I would say too, yeah. a lot of people are nervous about going into the kink scene because of the extreme kinks. Yeah. But that's really a small percentage of them. And I would say most kinks kind of fall under like power play you know a lot of it is role playing too we kind of kind yeah. of got into that like there's a there's a master and slave relationship um controlling what that person does or says and and again it's not sex related it's just power and control yeah, yeah. um but they correlate like, you know, it's weird you know <laughs> they do correlate fun. though yeah it is yeah and um, it sounds fun like bondage, like tying people up, right? Throwing them around a little, getting getting rough, aggressive, um, consensual, non-consent. Actually, there was this workshop presenter that came up from like LA, I think, and they specialized in staged rape. Whoa. Which is consensual, okay. non-consent, yes. right? I'm yes. gonna, so it's essentially like um, teaching people how to create, like safely stage a rape. That's heavy. I could uh, sounds I like an that. oxymoron if you ask me. Well, Jerry, I don't know about you, man, but I mean, if you, if you go on Pornhub enough, you, this is not new territory. You see all this. Oh no, stuff not at all. Being made uh, regularly, and, and yeah. I don't know what Pornhub is, by the way. Oh, <laughs> sure you don't. Sure you don't, pal. Um, no idea. You, you innocent angel, you. you, you. <laughs> hey, I'm a drinker. I'm just not into porn. 
let me let sure. me go back real let me sure, go back real quick so you said you got into it because of the burlesque scene but how was it presented to you like hey are you interested hey i'm in, did somebody come up to you and say hey i'm in this group would you be interested in joining like and what was your reaction when you heard about this yeah, I would say, so me personally, I just ended up making um, a lot of friends in the burlesque scene. I became very close with them. And then they naturally started talking to me about their interests. And some of them were interested in kink. And I'm just a very open-minded person. So I just started asking questions about what it meant to them. But for the longest time, I actually didn't go. So I've had friends in the kink scene for probably three years before I chose to go because I was nervous. I was scared. At the time, I was also married. And- oh. It would have been very, you know, I, I wanted my husband to be okay with the fact that I wanted to explore these things. Yeah. So for me, it started off as now I know it's there. Now I know I have friends in the community that can introduce me to it and make me feel safe in it. My next step is to start having conversations with my partner about this. Like, hey, would you be interested in exploring different things around sex or just role play? So for the longest time, I did not participate in that community because my partner was not okay with it. Yeah. Um, fast forward, I am now divorced and <laughs> I would say it wasn't because of this. Yeah. This was just one of the, you know, one of the many things that we just kind of differed on as far as how our interests were. Um, but well, yeah. It sounded, well, and, and again, it sounds like, cause you and I have personally known each other for a while. It sounds like from my opinion only that maybe you got married young because you oh, absolutely. change. Yeah. People absolutely. change. I mean, it just, it just sounds like you continued this path of self-discovery and you discovered new things you're interested in. And that's where a new path emerged, right? Yeah, you, you, a new path emerged, you know, yeah. our, our paths went in different directions. I would say, yeah, I did definitely got married when I was young, but I'm one of the lucky ones in that it was a very like calm and kind divorce. Yes. So, <laughs> and that's we're still good. friends. So it's, it's all in a good place. I would say not everyone has, has been so lucky in their relationship endings and discovering this in the in, while you're in a relationship i could see that, like this could be an earth shattering thing i feel like it, it either brings you closer together or just ends it i i I, yeah. I don't see how there could be a middle ground by the way you know we're based in slow which for california this is one of the more much more conservative regions of the state certainly along the coast i mean outside of orange county i think this might be the most conservative coastal area in california um we don't have any strip clubs here i feel like the only place that has a sexual connotation to it and even it's not even that sexual it's more just nudist would be pirate's cove um how is how is implementing introducing and experiencing the kink scene like here in slow where it's a little more restrictive than other places um socially you know i would say that it's probably no different than any like larger city um obviously larger cities attract more of that liberal crowd. So perhaps there would be a higher percentage of people who are interested in kink. Um, to be honest, I have not really experienced the kink scene down in LA or up in San Francisco, but I've heard stories and it sounds like you're more likely to run into negative situations hmm. because when you have more people who are interested, just by the sheer number of people that the community attracts, you're more likely to get people who are going to cross boundaries and misbehave. So yeah. one of the things I love about this area is that because it's smaller, um, you know, the kink community is a little smaller, just again, because it's a small city, right? Smaller yeah. population. Yeah, and yeah. because of that, there's just more regulation in this community and the people who break boundaries are removed from it very quickly. So it ended up being a 
really wonderful experience, very safe experience. And, you know, I was talking about this with my partner last night. Like, I wonder, there's probably a lot of conservative people who are like um, closeted cases. You know, it's just not okay. It's not okay for them to talk about it. And they feel weird talking about it. But I feel like if it was more culturally acceptable, a lot more people would be into exploring like uh gameplay. Yeah. You know, it's just really just playing. Yeah, it's just fun, right? Yeah. Life is short. We're just trying to find things we love doing. It's yeah. I don't I don't think it's that complex. Jerry, are you gonna try it when COVID's done, when the pandemic's over and the world opens up? Are you gonna try the the kink scene? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of something sarcastic to say. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm curious to see what's going on, but I don't know. I I, I guess quick answer no. Okay, I, 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 might, I think I might I might like if you if you folks if if you organize an event next summer or spring or whenever you do it, I, I'd be willing to try it because it, it sounds like it's very well, you organized try or watch. Well, well, try in the sense that I, I think I'll go buy. You have to buy a ticket. They usually have them at what the guild hall is that what the place is called well the last usually... one we had was at the guild hall but that was more of like a gathered event um uh-huh. if you wanted to get involved more quickly again after covid there are these like meet and greets that happen okay where yeah. you just get to come and meet the community no play occurs it's really just like socializing and being like what are you guys into like how you know meeting meeting others of like mind yeah, I'd be willing to check that out. And the, the one you you were talking about, or the one I remember you were talking with me about, there was like an event where you had to buy tickets. Yeah, at the Guild Hall. Yeah, I, yeah, Jerry. I think to me, observing and participating are two totally different levels. Right. I, 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 I'm I'm just envisioning <laughs> observing, just just because again, I I consider myself an open minded person. I like trying new things. I like absorbing everything life has to offer. And this sounds interesting. You know, I, yeah. I I'll be, again, I'm I'll be I'm in not the corner drinking my sun kissed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's observing yeah just might, here the, i'm here for the devil days <laughs> you might discover that it's not for you and that's cool or you might see one particular thing that you're like "Ooh, that turns me on that's sexy i think i like that right and that's kind of what happened to me on my first time at a club so who knows what did you see that was that turned you on wrestling it was like really sexy. it was like sexy wrestling they it's called like takedown, which is where it's like, um, again, safe wrestling. Like I'm not actually getting like thrown to the ground. I'm getting safely thrown to the ground. Gotcha. So um, the first time I went, again, I just watched and I saw this scene where the game was that the guy had to get handcuffs on this girl. And then after that, they had pre-negotiated a little bit of like, you know, once he handcuffs her and like ties her to this thing, then he does some like whatever, tickling, spanking, whatever they had agreed on. Right. So I don't know what it was about that wrestling, but I mean, you know me, Cyrus, I'm kind of like a wild child. It just, it made me feel wild. I was like, I want to wrestle, but I want to really resist. Like if this person's going to get handcuffs on me, they're going to earn it. And it turned out that for me, there was something about um, the physical release. Like I really like to get my energy out every Mm. day. I need to get my energy. out. I need to go for a hike. I need to go for a bike ride. So as it turned out, getting in this very like physical situation with a partner where I'm getting totally exerted. And at the same time, they're kind of expressing their power and strength 
over me by getting me into the handcuffs, mm-hmm. which is such a turn on for me. Hmm. I loved it. And so, but what, like, what are there rules in place for that? Like, what if it gets a little too rough? Like, yeah, is there so, a safe word? Um, so again, it was one of those things where I was like, okay, I saw this thing. I liked this thing. What now? Right. So I, I went up to that couple afterwards and I was like, I saw you do this. I liked it. I'm new to this scene. What, what's next for me? How do I proceed? Right. right. And essentially it was like, okay, well, the next thing is we have some conversations and get to know each other and start to feel good together. Right. Like talk, talk through things. Mm-hmm. So we got together, we talked, we went, got food, right. Just like created a relationship where we could talk and feel safe. Then the next things were purely wrestling based. Like, okay, do you know how to land safely? All right. You're going to need to learn how to tuck your chin. You're going to need to learn how to keep your core engaged. Wait, so this um, isn't like wrestling on a bed? Like, where are you wrestling? On a mat, on like a gym oh. mat. So, and then there's like something to handcuff at the, like on the wall, there's like a pole or something? Um, there can oh, yeah. be, or you just set the handcuffs off to the side. Interesting. I was yeah. envisioning like a bed this whole time. So, okay. So what are you wearing? <laughs> so what are you wearing in, in this situation? Like, are you naked? I mean, or? I'm, I'm wearing like a sports outfit. Oh, I'm wearing like spandex pants and a sports bra. Oh, that's what I'm comfortable with. You know? Yes. I'm picturing like lingerie. I'm just like, oh, hell, I would pop out of that so quickly. Well, that's what I'm saying. I guess that's was was I guess that's where the excitement came from. We are like like, ripping clothes off and you're like, okay, but there's no clothes ripping off. Um, I mean, unless I ask for it. Okay. I have in the past. Okay. Okay. All right. And then I wear something that can kind of rip off you know i wear like an old oh, gotcha. sports bra and i'm like i want you to rip it off me today right okay but that's like for that's down the line that's like after i've seen with this person many times and i'm very comfortable with them you know the first time i'm wearing like a sports bra i'm wearing spandex pants and it's really just him teaching me how to safely wrestle right interesting then we do certain exercises so that he learns where my physical limits are how far back can i pull your arm before it actually hurts you you know how far can i turn your neck before it actually hurts you so then we did a bunch of these exercises again where it's like what are your physical limitations how do we communicate when i'm reaching one of your physical limitations right um so it was just a lot of that a lot of like learning playing it safe and then the very first scene that we did we didn't even start standing up we started on our knees and it was kind of like you know we wrestle for five minutes and then he checks in like How's this going? Is this good? Do you want more, more aggressive, less aggressive? Just right. So that's what your first scene is probably going to look like with a person. It's going to require a lot of communication up front. It's not going to be sexy, right? You're not just going to jump into it. You're going to be talking and talking through things and it may feel awkward. Interesting. I guess if there's one thing I'm taking away from this is that kinkiness does not equate to sexiness. They could be two very different things. things. Yeah, they're two to be two very different things. This was enlightening, Alex. Is there anything you want to promote? Like, I mean, I don't think you have any social media press. You don't have much of a social media presence. Which yeah, I'm not really me. on the social media. Um, I don't I know. know. I, I guess what I would promote is just to like have conversations. You know, like if this sort of thing is interesting in any sort of way, just like talk about it with people, start having conversations, and you know, even if it's awkward, have conversations with your partner about stuff. That's that's where it starts. Like what I often find is people will maybe not tell their partner something. Here, let me give a really prime example. So like, hey, I watch porn. Shocker, oh my God, I can't believe that women watch porn sometimes. 
Um, and, you know, one of the types of porn that I really like is like the massage where the guy is like massaging the girl or, you know what, yeah. here's a different, here's a different one that's even more out there. I like the double penetration porn. Whoa. Okay. Okay. I know I'm putting right. it out there. It's okay. So, so then I had a partner once just start to talk to me, like, you know, what kinds of things would you be interested in? And so I decided to be brave, right? I was like, I'm going to tell him about the kind of porn that I like. And I felt so okay. nervous and I felt so awkward. And I was like, well, you know, I like this, like this porn where it's like double penetration, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I was like so nervous talking about it. And, huh. and he was really cool about it. He was like, okay, cool. So is that actually something you would want? Like another guy, like two great, great question. Right. I'd ask that and, question too. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, honestly, I don't think so. I don't. And a lot of times we watch porn, not necessarily because we actually want that, but because there's something about it that piques us or interests us. Yes. And I'm like, you know, I, maybe, maybe I just want something in my butt. <laughs> right. And so I was like, so I told him, I was like, I, I've heard of butt plugs, but like, I don't know. I, I've honestly felt like this little goody two shoes who didn't know anything about kink. So then he was just like, okay, well, butt plugs are a thing, you know, and there's like little ones for people who have never done it, or there's like bigger ones. We could get some. Do you want, do you want to, do you want me to get some for us? And I was just like, okay, you know? So then after he got them, there was the whole conversation of like, what do you want this to look like? How do you want to try it? And it, it was, again, I felt so silly. I felt so awkward because I was like, look, do I need to like wash out my butt? Like what, you know, how people do the, what, like, what do you call it? The, the douching? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like the, the bleaching, the, the bleaching. Yeah. And so I was like, do I need to do that? And so he's like, I don't, I don't think so. Like perhaps if you're having anal sex, but like, if you're just putting in a butt plug, maybe not. So we like Googled it together, you know? And it was just this cute little intimate bonding experience. We were like, oh, do I have to clean my butt when I use a butt plug? You know, and I felt so awkward. I was like, what if, what if there's like poop somewhere? And it was, it just, again, it felt so awkward. And so I guess what I, what I really want to impress upon people is like, it's gonna be awkward and it's going to be scary to have these conversations with your partner. Like, Hey, I want to tell you about the kind of porn I watch. And I'm really scared that you're going to judge me. But all those conversations ended up being like really intimacy building. Yes. I was about to use that word. Yeah. It's, it's, it's as intimate as you can get. What you're yeah. Doing yeah. And like, it really built our connection and our partnership sitting there Googling together. Like, do I have to clean my butt for butt plug? You know, just like silly things like that. And that's like, don't think it's going to be sexy and suave. Just like have the courage to talk about what you want. Know that it's going to be awkward and you're going to laugh and giggle because it's going to be weird. But like, that's part of the fun and it'll help you bond with your partner. And, you know, if they can't handle you talking about that stuff, you know, think about, are you willing to go the rest of your life with a partner who isn't even okay with you telling them what you like secretly desire sexually? Those are good questions. That's what I was going to ask. How has it affected? Because you said you were married at one point. You see yourself getting married again. And how much does kink scene play into that of you? I mean, proceeding in a relationship. Yeah, whatever partnerships I have in the future, you know, I put them through the awkward sexual conversation test. 
And I don't expect them to be Rico Suave, right? I'm not expecting some like experienced kinkster. And I'm totally okay if the person's like, oh, I feel awkward and giggly talking about this. Totally okay with that. For me, my only boundary is as long as they don't shut down and they're not like, no, I am not into this. I'm not okay with it. Cause that's just a compatibility thing. It's okay if they're not into it and they're not yeah. okay with it, but that's not gonna be compatible with me long-term. That's the name of the game for relationship, right? Compatibility. <laughs> you gotta be compatible yeah. with that person. That's crazy. Alex, this was enlightening. I, I'm really thankful that you came on. Um, I think most people, Jerry, you're, you're from this place. You moved here when you were a kid. Did you know until this interview, there was a slow kink scene? No, not until you brought it. Well, I, well, I know there's a friend of mine, I guess that kind of puts on, but I don't, I don't know if it's considered the king scene, but more like an orgy thing that he does every once in a while. I don't know when the last time he did it. And I've never, I've never attended, nor See, have I Alex, been invited. That's a and that's a very different thing, right, Alex? Like, it, like if someone's an orgy, that's very different than a kink it's event. Different in that most of the time when you hear the word orgy, you're thinking it's a group of people having sex together, and you're probably right. <laughs> that is kind of what the word orgy means. Yeah. But it's similar in that there's probably a set of rules, right? Are there, are there a set of rules that when your friend holds these orgies? I, you know, honestly, I've never really talked to him about it. I just heard about it years ago, and I don't know how often they do it and when was the last time they did it. I'm, yeah, I'm assuming there's rules and what those are. I have no idea. I have mm. no idea. Interesting. Sounds good. I mean, I'm intrigued, Alex. I'm intrigued. <laughs> when the world opens up, I will strongly consider at least coming to one of these as an observer just to experience <laughs> something new. I remember years ago. Uh, I, orgies, bonding, and porn. Oh, my. Well, years ago, uh, when I during one of my European trips, I, I love Amsterdam. And, and a part of Amsterdam most people aren't aware of that exists is the, the red light district. And this is an this is an area of the town where there's like window booths and you have prostitutes just literally advertising themselves. You can take whenever you want. And there's like you said, people are not aware. Isn't I think a lot everybody of knows of Amsterdam. <laughs> well, yeah, but most, weed and weed and hookers. I didn't know the hooker. I, I, I wasn't sure if most people associated hookers with Amsterdam. I thought it was more more the drug scene. Oh yeah, um, and Frank. That's what we associated. With. Yeah, so I did not try the. <laughs> yeah. I did not. Tr yeah. I did not try a hooker when I was there, but I did go check out a live sex show. Um, it was interesting. It was, it wasn't memorable. It was just like, what do you'd expect? You know, there was nothing yeah. out of it, but I do like, again, I, to me, we're on this planet once. This is the, the, the one shot you got experience as much as you can that you're comfortable with, that you're happy with. Um, and yeah, I want to try, I want to at least check it out once. Um, so I'm intrigued. So if any of you are intrigued, I guess just start Google searching slow kink, right. And just see yeah, what comes up. Central coast kink. Central Coast kink. There you go, Alex. Thank yes. you so much. It was. Are you are you engaged? By the way, you got a ring on a. Oh on no! Finger. Just, no, I'm not. It's just the okay. only finger that it fits on. It was a gift from my parents. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> it just doesn't fit on any other one. <laughs> gotcha. No, is, is I don't it... think I'm going to be married again anytime soon. <laughs> it's, it's all good. I don't know. <laughs> Alex, you rule. Thank you so much for coming on. It was. This was definitely totally. enlightening. It was a pleasure, and um, and I do hope we all hang out soon. Let's get this vaccine rolling so I can seriously see as we all hang out together again. Thank you so much. Have a great day, Alex. Thank you. For sure. Beautiful. And uh, Jerry, what'd you think? Uh, I'll be honest. I'm. I think I'm more confused than anything. Um, you, she did say. She, well, I mean, because she did state that is such a broad, broad spectrum, right? Yeah. And this niche or niche of a movement or whatever you want to call it, and it's just like, I don't know. It's just uh, it's very intriguing. Like you said, it is kind of enlightening. But 
like I said, I think I came out more confused than anything. You know, she's even talking about wrestling going on in this thing, you know? So yeah, it's, uh, it's a definitely interesting scene, I guess. Well, what do you, well, yeah, it, it is interesting. Well, what are you confused about? I, I got, I think, I've, but again, granted, I've talked I guess to my a whole, lot. Right. I yeah. guess my whole impression, and I think, I think you kind of had the same impression in the beginning when you first heard about it. Yeah. I kind of, you know, when you said King scene, I'm just assuming it's just a big old orgy um, thing going on. And like I said, the spectrum is so, it, I guess it could be from the one side of the spectrum of orgy to, like she said, to wrestling. And in the middle, you got rape play, which is kind of like, you know, like I said, it's all bizarre. It's, um, but I guess the cool thing about it is the, you are creating rules, you are creating boundaries, you are asking for permission. There's no room for being vague. You have to be specific. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, and, and what's funny, like I said, it's weird that you have to be in a club to follow rules as opposed to like in real life, you should ask somebody's permission. You should have that dialogue, that communication of you should what, what one wants, what one needs or what one prefers, you know? So you're right. It's kind and, of and, ironic, I guess. It's just sad that a lot of people, do, it's, it's, it should be common sense, but it's not with a lot of people. So I could understand the rules being there. And I think ultimately what I got out of this in terms of defining kink is that it is confusing. I don't think there was a very specific definition for it. I think it's just literally whatever right. you, you get pleasure from. That's why I was asking about hedonism because the hedonism right. is just a pursuit of pleasure. I, it seems like they're similar, but I think, I think hedonism is more sex centric, whereas kink might not be. I think that it's just a way larger spectrum. Yeah, it is fascinating. Sex is fascinating, Jerry. It's it's a it's a complex topic. You know, it's it's we each are different, and we each have our own individual things we like. And um, right, and a lot of that comes from culture, religion. Yeah, and, uh, you yeah, have some cultures that are very suppressive. Some are very open. That's true. Uh, I think your upbringing yeah. plays a huge part of it. This is where yeah, I don't want to get into in. that with her. Yeah. I don't know if she was open to doing that, but I think it's her. I mean, she did tell about the fifth grade experience of, you know, somebody not accepting rejection well. Yeah. But I am curious to know, like, if there's other aspects of her personal life or home life that might have created this endorphin thing triggers, you know. Hmm. Or if it's just something she just grew up, just, she just naturally right, liked, just, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if she was wanting to go a deep dive into that, her personal life on that. <laughs> she could have, you should have asked. Um, well, we got to, if you're free in a couple of days, we're going to do another podcast with some more, um, journalists from the Questonian. we got a few more of them who published some great yeah, I enjoyed stories. that the last time, actually. I really liked fun. that. Uh, the, it was um, fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll do that again soon. I know we're two weeks, almost two weeks removed. How was your Thanksgiving, by the way? It was good, man. I went up to, I went up to the Bay area. I, uh, stayed with my mom and stepdad for a week. Just let them spoil me. Cause I haven't had any, any of that in a long time. It was good, man. And then I came back and, you know, I'm just in isolation again. How about you? I drove down for the day. Well, for the day and night, I drove down to Palm Springs area, Indio, because my cousin invited me over, you know, he was having, you know, a bunch of family over and, and my family here, my mom and my sister, were kind of like very low key on Thanksgiving. So I was kind of like, obviously it's gets sentimental. It's like, oh, you want to spend it with your family, but we kind of like just more chill about it. So mm -hmm. my cousin invited me to go down and yeah, I was uh, eager to go down there. Plus I, I just need to get out. You know, like I said, before this pandemic, you know, I'm going to LA once, twice a month. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my cousins visited me a, a month ago, just after the election. And I took him up to San Francisco for the day. And that was kind of eye opening because you said you went to the Bay Area. Everything was dead, man. It was like, yeah, there was no seems... cable cars. There was no Fisherman's Wharf. Certain access to the bridge was kind of limited. Um, yeah, it was kind of 
a it's zombie a apocalypse. Town. It's a ghost yeah, town. Sure. Yeah. yeah, it's it's that's what I, especially downtown, especially places where um, like there's some of the touristy areas are still people in the city. Like if you go to the Cliff House, if you go on some of the nature trails, Golden Gate Park. But you're right. Anything that where normally you see crowds of people, it's empty. Empty. Um, yeah. The homeless. Yeah, the Fisherman's Wharf. Yeah. They're, 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say that I didn't see any, uh, you know, like the Silverman, the robotic guys, or the Bushman. No, they won't be there. No, I don't know what they're doing. I'm curious. I'm very curious to know what they're doing right now. That's. There's a yeah, lot of people that are struggling because of this, man. I mean, I, it, it's and this is why again, there's like two perspectives because there's a good third of the economy that relies almost entirely on customer service, on social interactions, on people going out. And that third of the economy is just pretty much shut down right now. And then you have the other two thirds that work in sectors where you can be doing online stuff or, you know, so, but a good third of this country is just struggling right now, man, because of that, it's crazy. And, and, and the fact that the government is not giving them money to hold, to let them survive, that's what they should be doing. I mean, this is what we should be doing right now. We should be providing money for those who need it until we get out of this thing. It's crazy. And that's what's so sad. Just like, you know, going out last night, you know, there is a, you know, I don't want to be too sentimental or whatever, but it is kind of somber. You're going and you're seeing that there's these workers, your bartender, your server or whatever, like they're out of a job for who knows. Right now it's three weeks, right? Until the end of the year. Is that what they, but, they're saying? Yeah. And I think, like I said, I think they're just going to write out the whole, you know, New Year's. So nobody gets together on New Year's. Smart. And and uh, and I think Polly comes back in the middle of January. So I think they're trying to capitalize on that. But like I said, or like you said, they're, you know, these people are essentially out of a job for three weeks to a month. You know, that's on the short term, right? Three weeks mm-hmm. is short term. Um, and it could be longer than that, you know. And uh, but yeah, people gotta pay rent, people got bills to pay, and I feel like the government's kind of like mm, like whatever deal not, with it. I mean, are they still getting are if you if are people going on unemployment still getting that extra money? No, I believe that ended on July 31st, Ooh. if I'm not mistaken. I, I, yeah, but I don't know as far as like what you can get still as far as uh I'm assuming you can still get unemployment, but yeah, you're not getting that extra. 600 a week i believe a week yeah, yeah. yeah that was yeah. helping that was helping i don't know why it was helping i think there was a little downside to it because there was a lot of people not wanting to go back to work true but but again you can't you can't collect that forever you know like right. it's it would, it would have only lasted and again it, i get the normal and this is more conservative logic of austerity measures where the philosophy the theory is that if you force you know if you don't give people things it'll give them the incentive to work harder. But I mean, there has to be exceptions. I mean, we're in a pandemic, you know, let's let's just not worry about individual incentive to work at the moment. Let's just focus on happiness and society staying afloat, you know, like, I don't know. It's just, I don't, I don't feel like this is the time to like try to be rigid with society in terms of finances, but that's just me. I don't know. Um, all right, man, we'll do another podcast on Tuesday. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to some local student journalists about some, some actions. One of the st- stories I think is going to be interesting to talk about is whether or not um, people should be wearing masks at drive throughs uh, One of our students wrote a column saying they should because everybody taking their orders is being exposed to they're talking. They're only like feet apart from each other. Yeah, but are you also orders- wearing gloves? No, why? Why would the glove? What do you mean the glove? But the gloves is not part. It's not a mandate. It's not gloves. Right. Like the, the the mask thing is so that they're not exhaling the virus onto you when they talk. True, you but know, I mean you know it's a little different too than gloves. I mean you're you're exchanging your food, you're exchanging money. You know money being passed around. Yeah, but, the, but around. you can 
but if but if you're wearing a glove and you're not touching your face after you give them their food, you're fine. But if they're sitting there like talking to you expressively and spraying their germs to your face, what can you do about that? You know, at least yeah. with the hand thing, you can still be preventative, but with air, which is what this thing is, and then it is psychotic, by the way, that it took them like six months to finally come out and say, Yeah, it's an airborne virus. Remember, it's like for six months they were saying this wasn't airborne. Remember that? Six that months. It wasn't? Yes. Well, I they were, they were talking for- about like it was like droplets and things on touching stuff. Uh, yes, but they, but they were but they were saying it wasn't airborne like it, like the common cold or flu, where like if someone's just talking to you, it could just be spread through the air without the droplets. And then they, it took them six months to come out and say, "Yeah, you could just get it if someone else is just breathing next to you." <laughs> like, um, it's what's crazy, the, man. What's Quest's protocol for next semester? What do you guys still, still do online? Online one more semester, yeah. And, and then, like I said, I think everyone's anticipating this normalization in the spring. And then by next fall, we're going to be back. I think the right. whole world's going to be back by the by summer, honestly. I mean, uh, yeah, I think, I think by spring, something has to happen because, yeah, that's a, that'd be another setback in the economics. I mean, spring, you got people spring breaking and traveling, and then especially summer. I mean, summer is a huge yeah. economic boom for people moving around and traveling. And yeah, something needs to be done for sure. It will. The virus. I mean, the vaccine's coming. It's just uh, and and as, and the more it gets rolled out, the, you'll see the cases dropping because. Uh, it, so the first round will be approximately twenty to forty million doses. That's what I think they're going to have ready for for round one. And I don't know if you know this. You have to get two shots. The inoculation. No, the whole inoculation period is going to take like a month. So let's say you get your first shot, then you have to go back in two weeks later for a second shot. And then I think it's another 14 days after that before you are in the clear and you can, your body can recognize the virus and, and you won't get sick from it. Um, and then, and then after that, you have to go back in every three to six months to get more shots, but I'm doing it. I don't care. The good news is the moment those, that first round comes out, those 20 to 40 million doses, those are 20 to 40 million people that will no longer be vulnerable. And then you'll have round two. These are the old people and the, and, the, and the people who have debilitating diseases that make them very vulnerable to this. They'll get their vaccines. And then before you know it, we'll see the case numbers plummeting. And then I really think by February, March, man, we'll, we'll, there'll be a sigh of relief and we'll start. Did you know that the, speaking of numbers plummeting, and I haven't verified this, but a friend was telling me that the flu virus numbers have dramatically dropped well of course they have the cold numbers right. probably dropped too because no one's that's how all these viruses are exchanged from social interactions social interaction yeah. but also i think the fact that people a lot of people for example i took the flu shot back in september when i normally take it around late november oh early december so i think okay. that's kind of like drop maybe or flatten the curve on the flu and yeah. also you have people washing their hands and you know doing certain just being stuff careful like yeah being yeah careful. normally people just people aren't careful normally you're right people aren't a People never give it a second thought about touching shit, about being close right. to other people. Like they just we just accept it in life that hey, you're gonna get sick sometimes. But right. this 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 virus is pretty fucking nasty. So now people are a little more attentive. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, if if we if we practice this perfectly, none of us should have gotten a flu or cold ever. You know, I mean, if you're if you're doing preventative measures for COVID, you should, that's the same rules are applying for all viruses. You know, right. Um, and one sure. of my students got it, by the way. I think he's gonna he's oh. gonna come on. He's going to be one of our guests on Tuesday. Yeah. Is yeah, it the lowrider boy? No, he's a surfer. <laughs> no, different guy. His friend. They're friends. Lowrider boy's been on with us. Uh, no, it's his friend, Damon. He's a, he's a, he's a surfer. And um, he got, he, at least he said he got it. I told him he should get a second test just to be safe because he said his symptoms were like virtually non-existent. But again, if you're 20 years old, dude, apparently this thing does, will not mess you up that bad. 
There are an uncle, an uncle of mine who's, let's see, I think he's 54, got it mm-hmm. the other day. And I think he's had like minor symptoms. Yeah, it's there's just no, different. There's definitely no consistency in this thing. No, no, it's everyone's different, man. Some people just barely get phased from it. It's crazy. I just, I guess my nerves, the reason why I've been so neurotic about this is that I'm so confident and so certain that if I get it, it's going to be like misery for like a month at least. <laughs> I just know it. I just know it, dude. I know how I feel when I get colds and flus and. Anyways, man. All right, brother. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for being available despite the hangover. I'm, I'm happy, glad you had fun hey, last man. night. It's going to take a lot to stop me, bro. <laughs> and hopefully soon we'll finally hang out in person, brother. All right, man. We'll talk sure. soon, Jerry. You can follow me on Twitter at DogSurfRoadShow. You can follow this program on Twitter at uh, SlowCalPod. Take care, everyone. Well, let me get to the point. Let's roll another joint. Turn the radio loud. Too long to be proud You don't know how it feels You don't know how it feels To be me Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.